Switch to Spectrum Mobile and get unlimited data for only $29.99 per month each when you get two or more lines. You could save hundreds on your mobile bill. Plus, there are no added taxes, hidden fees, and no contracts. Click to try the Spectrum Mobile Savings Calculator, and in three easy steps, you'll see how much you could save. Visit SpectrumMobile.com slash save. Offer valid for new customers on two or more unlimited lines. Spectrum Internet required. Restrictions apply. Visit SpectrumMobile.com for details. So I want to mention this morning something that is, is most amazing, because when you think about Jesus, when he was on the earth, the Bible says that he was the friend of sinners. And the people that flocked to hear him preach, they weren't the religious crowd. In fact, the religious crowd came to, to criticize him and, and to condemn him. But it was notorious sinners, thieves, tax collectors, prostitutes, etc., that gathered to hear Jesus. It was the dysfunctional and the derelicts that constituted the people that came to hear Jesus minister. And I believe the reason for this is because he stirred within them. There was this innate sense of there's something that Jesus is speaking. There's something that Jesus is releasing that, that just struck a chord in their hearts that, that just reverberated deep down within them under the reality that he was unlike all the other teachers of his day. He was a completely different person in the way he spoke and in the way he ministered. And I believe as the people of his day listened and interacted with him, the more pronounced this awareness became. Jesus, I believe, revealed to his generation something in his day that is just as important today. And that is the heart of God as Father. He revealed his father to an orphan generation. And it's interesting because when you look at the Old Testament, God or the fatherhood of God is something that we rarely see. There are only three times in the Old Testament that God is called father as it relates to his people, Israel. The other 12 times, he's called the father of individuals, such as the father of Abraham. But there's only 15 times in the entire New Testament. But here, Jesus appears on the scene. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and he speaks of his father so many times. In the gospels alone... There's 165 references from Jesus to God as Father. In the Pauline epistles, in the writings of Paul, there are more than 44 references to God as Father. One of the terms that Jesus uses in the original Aramaic, which is translated into Paul's writing, is the word Abba. And it's an interesting term because a lot of people, it is a term of endearment and it was used especially by, by little children to speak of, of their father. So it really is a term that's used as God, as father, as, as papa, as, as daddy in, in, in English. But there's also some study that's been done that has indicated that it was also a term, the term Abba, that was used by older children for their father. So it's not something that was just strictly used by younger children. But it is a term of endearment. It is a term of intimacy. It is a term that literally reveals something about God that the people of that day had no understanding at all. I was on a talk show and television back in Canada, and it was a live call-in program. People call in and they ask questions. And our topic that night that I was, I was leading the program and, and I had a guest with me and our topic that night was the fatherhood of God. And as we spoke about God as father and we alluded to the references in the New Testament and, and what that literally means to understand and to know God as your father, we had a woman who rang in and she was a Muslim. She was originally from Pakistan and her language, of course, that she speaks is Urdu. Urdu is really derived from Arabic. And it's a very interesting language because 
In the Urdu language, the word Abba is an actual term that is used by them. But it's never used of God. It's used of father in the natural. It's used of maybe like a, a priest in a Coptic church or something. But it's never used of God. And so when we spoke about God being father, she was quite upset. I mean, she, she said to me, you know what? I, I I'm, can't believe what I'm hearing. To me, this is a borderline of blasphemy. You're talking of God as father. And we said to her, do you believe in Jesus? And she said, of course I do. The Quran speaks of Jesus. The Quran says he's a great prophet. The Quran says he's even coming back. But why do you ask me that? And we said, because Jesus spoke so many times about God as Father. And we began to minister to her. And by the end of that night, she had actually stayed online and one of the prayer partners had led her to the Lord because of the revelation that she had for the first time of God as her Father. You see, this is a very unique teaching in Jesus' day. Do you understand that it would have incensed people? God is your father? Who do you think you are? At one point in John's gospel it says that they considered it blasphemy because he was making himself equal with the father. But the reality is it's a term that they were not aware of. In the pre-Christian writings, there's, in the Jewish writings, there's really no reference to God as Father. This is something entirely new that Jesus is revealing. You know, the thing that I find very interesting about this is the reality of how disproportionate the references are in the, old, in the New Testament compared to the Old. Think about this. Only 15 references to God as Father in the entire Old Testament. But we know the Old Testament has much more, uh, you know, writings. It's, it's much, there's much more volume in, in the Old Testament writings. And yet, here Jesus is speaking in excess of 160 times, calling God his Father. It would have been shocking. It would have been like, who is this? He's not talking about God. He's not talking about, you know, the great and mighty one just in that context, even though Jesus certainly did address God that way. But he's now referring to him as his father. And then later, when his disciples come to him and say, Jesus, would you teach us to pray even as John taught his disciples? And Jesus said, yeah, sure. I'll teach you to pray. Let's start off with this. Our father who art in heaven. Father. Yeah. He's father. He wants you to know him as father. And he's a good, good father. He's, he's not like any other father. Jesus said at one point, if you, being good as fathers, know how to give gifts, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven and, and the contrast he's trying to make there is that if you as earthly fathers are fallible, you're, you're flawed, you have problems, you, you struggle, you're not perfect, but yet you give gifts to your children, how much more does your perfect, holy, righteous, flawless father in heaven want to bless his children? Yeah. One of the... Most amazing and poignant revelations of the heart of Father God is seen in a story that Jesus told. It's really one of several parables recorded in three parables in Luke chapter 15. It's commonly known as the parable of the lost son or even more commonly, the prodigal son. And you know, when you look at this story, it's very interesting because traditionally the narrative Really, the way we read it, the way we understand it, seems to be that it focuses more on the failures of the son. And we see the son's failures. We see his sin. We see his rebellion, clearly. And so we say he's the, father, he's the, he's the prodigal because 
He is the one who, who lived lavishly. He was the one who, who rejected his father and abandoned himself to a reckless lifestyle. And that he truly was. But the word prodigal, as defined by Webster's Dictionary, says this. The word prodigal means one who spends or gives lavishly, one who is recklessly extravagant. And may I submit to us this morning that actually God is prodigal. He is extravagant in his love. He gives everything and he doesn't hold back. He lavishes his grace upon us and he pours out his blessings upon us even when we don't deserve it. And, and that's all the time. And, and God continued to do that even when we were lost, even when we were separated, even when we weren't thinking about him. He gave the greatest gift he could ever give. He sent his son, Jesus, into the world to die for us so that we could know God's grace. Amen. And the ultimate purpose is this reconciliation to the Father. Reconciliation to the Father. People say, well, it's eternal life, right? Yeah, Jesus, God so loved the world. Who knows? John 3, 16. Come on now. The God so that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. But do you know what eternal life is? Well, Jesus told us very clearly what eternal life is in John 17, verse 3. He said, this is eternal life. That they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Eternal life is in having a relationship with the Father and the Son. It's not just something that you're given as a gift, something impersonal. It's not an object. It's actually a relationship. And it's knowing God as your father. And there are a lot of Christians today that, that have failed to really appreciate all that God has made available to us in that revelation of himself as father. And we go back to the story here of the prodigal son. Here he is. He's in his father's home. He and his other brother, they're, they're working for the father. They're not lacking anything. They have everything that they would ever need and more. And yet one day, this son is gripped with this desire that he wants to move out and he wants to go and live on his own and do his own thing. And he actually approaches his father with great audacity and he says to him, give me the inheritance now. No sense of waiting until you're dead and gone. Give it to me now so I can enjoy it. Give it to me now. And the deception in what he was asking for, because number one, he could have been stoned to death for being a rebellious son. He should have, under the law, literally been put to death because of this request was outright rebellion. And in that day, if your kids rebelled, there was an easy solution. You just took them to the gate of the city and they took stones and pelted them until they were dead. Right? Parenting 101. Effective parenting. So, it was a terrible thing that he was asking for. But I really believe what makes it even worse is the fact that he was so deceived that he actually felt that if he moved out of father's house, he would have greater fulfillment in life than living in father's house. And it literally speaks of a core truth which we often overlook and that is that this son this prodigal son did not value his relationship with his father for the companionship and intimacy that it offered he saw his father as someone who could give him things he saw his father as the one who would write checks blank checks he saw his father as the one who would provide for him and he certainly wanted that, but he had absolutely no desire at all for relationship with his father. 
May I say to us that that is the height and epitome of selfishness? Hey, I don't really like you. I don't really want to be around you, but give me this. Give me that. I'll give you something. I'll give you something. I'll give you a knuckle sandwich. To see how good that tastes. Listen, it's a reality of selfishness. Sin. Sin. It says in Ecclesiastes that not only is sin in the heart of man, but it actually says madness. Madness is in the heart of man. You know what? We know it says in 1 John 2.15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Right? That's a commandment. And he's talking about the, the worldly pleasures, the system, the things of this world. You're not talking about creation, the nice things that God's made for us. Because it says in, in 1 Timothy 6 that he's blessed us with all things to freely enjoy. He's not talking about that. He's talking about sin, selfishness, living a life apart from God. And he says this. He says, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Wow. Think about that. If any man loves the world, the Amplified says the love of and for the Father is not in him. The love of, the love that God has for you, the revelation of his great love, you, you're not walking in the revelation of that love. You might have rejected that revelation. You might not have yet encountered that revelation, but the bottom line is the reason why people give themselves to a pursuit of worldly pleasures is because they don't know the love of the Father. And I understand, like, well, yeah, they rejected it. Yeah, they did. But many of them still don't know. They've never really understood it. They've never really tasted it. There are children that we, all of us know about, whether they're your kids or your grandkids or someone else's children that have been raised in the church and they've been raised knowing biblical truth, but they've never stepped out of that place where it's just something up here in their head to the place that they have a revelation and encounter of who God is as Father. It's never translated from the head to the heart. It's never become that reality. And as important as it is to know God personally, I want to say to us this morning that there is a deeper revelation of God that is available to everyone. No matter if you've known him for 50 years, 70 years, if you see him as a God who just commands and demands and expects this of you and expects that of you, then really the fact is you don't understand him as father. Father wants to spend time with his children. Father delights to be with his children. He wants to bless his children, but he doesn't just want to give them things. He wants to spend time with his children. And I know there are fathers that are not like that, but I'm talking about God, our perfect father. I know there are fathers that are workaholics and there are fathers that are distant and emotionally aloof from their children. I get that. Growing up, that's the type of father that I had. My father, from, until I was, up until I was about six or seven years of age, there was a good relationship, a fairly close relationship. But then there came a point where my father, because of his job, he moved far away. And I would see him maybe once on the weekend or every two or three weekends. That's all that I saw my father. There was no emotional connection. My father, as far as I can remember, until, you know, at least I must have been very small, never hugged me. Never hugged me once. My mom was a, re it was a difficult thing. My mom hardly ever hugged me. And I find out it's because she didn't know what that was like. Her father and her mother never hugged her. And it was something that I grew up with, but 
I want to tell you that when I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and then as I pressed into that place where I began to seek after God, to know Him personally, and not just to go to church, not just to hear sermons, or, or, or you know, to try to live out some legalistic uh, form of, of Christianity, I came to know Him, who He is personally, and that changed everything in my life. Because... I want to tell you, if you're here today and you don't have a good earthly father, or maybe you don't have a father who's even alive right now, and there are people that have had relationships that were not good, and their father ended up dying, and they were not able to bring resolution to those relationships. I understand that. That's a painful thing, and it's, it's a terrible thing to live with that type of regret. But let me tell you something this morning. Yes, make it right. Do whatever you need to do because eternity is a long time. But do what you have to do now to be reconciled in every area of relationship. But let me say this. The bottom line is if you're not able, if there's no way and there's to connect at that level, then you have to understand that your life doesn't have to be dysfunctional. You don't have to live the balance and the remainder of your days broken. Walking with the limp because God wants to reveal to you who he is as father. And don't be angry. Don't be bitter at your earthly fathers because like Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. They don't understand it. They don't have that revelation. They're not walking in and they don't get what it means to really be a father. Then there's some amazing fathers. Love their kids. Do great things. Want to spend time with their kids. They treat them well. They give them everything, maybe too much. And yet, children still reject their parents. Children still move away. Children still decide they don't want to talk. That's a terrible situation. And we certainly understand that there's nothing really that can be done about that other than prayer. But I want to tell you here that no matter who you are, whether you are a child, uh, an adult, whether you're, you're uh, someone who your parents may not be alive anymore, the bottom line is God wants you to know him as your father. Amen. He wants to reveal himself to you as father. Do you know that you, when you know God as father, you'll understand who you are. You'll understand how greatly you're loved. You'll understand that you're not a mistake. You'll understand that there's no reason for you to be here other than to know your father and to live out what he has planned for your life. It doesn't matter what you go through. There's an entire generation that's broken right now because of the fact that they didn't have a biological father, uh, a father that lives in the home with them. There's an entire generation that's broken. It's been going on for several generations. The FBI did a study on crime in the United States of America, and they found the number one contributing factor to why so many African-American young men were in trouble was not because of socioeconomics, wasn't because of poverty, wasn't because of lack of education, those things attributed to it, but the main reason was because of the lack of a father in the home. That's what the FBI concluded. The main reason was a lack of a father in the home. Wow. You see, he is, Psalm 69 says, the father to the fatherless. There's an orphan generation today. They don't know God as father. Like this son who said, you know what? There's more fulfillment in the world than in knowing my father. So he, he, he journeys out. The Bible says that he departs and he literally moves to a far off land. Blaise Pascal's later, thank you. And he moves off to a far off land. And while he's in this far off land, what happens? He literally comes to the end of himself. He spends all his time, all his money, all his effort trying to satisfy himself in what Hebrews calls the passing pleasures of sin or the, the pleasures of sin for a season. And he literally comes to the end of himself. He's empty, he's broken, he's bankrupt. And now he says, wow. Wow. 
What am I going to do? All my friends have left me? Yeah, you ran out of money. Your friends are gone. Sound familiar? Come on. There's so many fair-weather friends out there. They're not friends at all. But you know what? If you don't do what they want, don't say what they want, don't give them what they want, then you, you, you won't see them anymore. That's not what the church is like. It's not what Jesus is like. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And the fact is, this call... This place is that if you decide, if I decide, and, and I did it as, as a teenager, I knew who God was. I didn't understand certainly everything, but I made a decision to walk away from not only the church, but God, and go out and do what I wanted to do in the world for a season. And then deep down within, I literally came to the point where I realized, wow, what an empty life. There's nothing here. It doesn't bring satisfaction. It doesn't bring fulfillment. Why do you think there are people today who are now turning to Christ, who are late in age, who have millions if not billions of dollars, and they're turning to Christ because they realize that, like the Beatles said, money can't buy you love. There's no sense of fulfillment there's no sense of satisfaction because, if we can go to those quotes, the Blaise Pascal quote, man who doesn't know God tries in vain to fill himself with everything around him. This infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, by God himself. Saint. You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Augustine, he said this, you have made us, Father God, for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. Some of these are f very familiar, but the fact is, this is the truth. God has made us for himself, for intimacy, for knowing who he is, and the deceitfulness of sin. You know, it actually says that in the book of Hebrews. It says, let none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, Hebrews 3.13. Don't let your hearts be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin says, hey, I'll offer you this. But it doesn't deliver on its offer. And it doesn't release you so that you can return and go back easily. It offers more than it promises. And certainly, it, offers, it promises more than it offers. And it certainly does not allow you to retract and retreat. This is a reality, and we see this in this life of this, this young man. He wanted the inheritance, but he didn't want intimacy. And how many are like that even today in the church? Come on now. God, give me this. Bless me. I want riches. I want healing. I want this. I want that. But we don't have time, or we don't make time, we don't cultivate a relationship with God. God bless my business, but you don't even come to church, you don't even pray. Come on guys, you know what that is? That is expecting God to do something in the same way that the selfish youth said, Father, give me your money, I don't really care about you. It's the same mindset. If you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> the irony is if we value intimacy more than the blessings, God will give us the blessings. If we cultivate intimacy, if we, if we get to know him, if we spend time developing our relationship with him, he'll take care of every need that we have. But I want to tell you that the religious people of Jesus' day, it was just all about 
the, you know, following certain laws, making yourself look good, setting yourself up to be successful or, or powerful in the eyes of people. And, and you know, and, and perhaps God's going to bless you if you do things properly. And, and today, there really is no difference. I mean, people that aren't exuding and overflowing with the love of Jesus, when you see someone and they look miserable, they look like they're baptized in pickle juice then the reality is you know there's something broken inside. There's something missing. If, if it's just all venom and bitterness and, and anger that you're hearing, there's, there's, a, there's something wrong. There's something broken. There's something that's not quite right because they don't know God as Father. And their sense of fulfillment and gratification comes more from trying to performance orientation. What can I do? You know? And, and then they, the people that run into the world, the pleasures of sin. The Bible says that Moses chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt for he was looking ahead to his great reward. But if you continue to read this passage in Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us what that great reward was. Yes, it certainly is, is, is being with God in eternity, but he says he endured because he saw him who was invisible. He endured because he saw him, meaning Father who is invisible. He saw him. He's invisible, but he saw him. Because in that place of intimacy, your eyes become open. You know who God is. And you don't have to say, well, you know what, I just, I'm just like this because I didn't have a good dad. I didn't have a loving father. That's not true. That's a bunch of rubbish. The fact is, God says, I'll be the father to the fatherless. I will take care of you. I will mend your brokenness. I'll fill the void. I'll do whatever needs to be done to make you whole so that this whole thing will be broken off of your life so that the next generation, you can model my fatherhood to the next generation. And today we need fathers. Good fathers. Loving fathers. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the... So he was saying, look, if anyone walks, wants to walk like he walked, then you will manifest the heart of the Father. It's not about just being religious. It's not even just about, you know, necessarily prophesying or, or healing people. There's something more to that because when Jesus literally healed people and he did miracles, he was revealing the compassionate heart of his Father. If you're here today and you're like that prodigal son, you're far away from father. You've left father's house. You're destitute. You're broken. You're exhausted. You're weary. God wants you to know it's time to come back to father's house. I'm not telling you it's time to come back to church. Okay, because you can come to church and not know father. We have thousands of people in this nation that attend church every week, but they don't know the Father. The Pharisees went to the synagogue, but they didn't know the Father. It's about a relationship with the Father. Yes, it's important to go to church, obviously. But I'm trying to say here is that this is about knowing God as your Father. And when he had spent all his money and this great famine hit the land and he began to starve, he became so hungry and he said, you know what, those pods that those pigs are eating, they, they don't look too bad. I think I'll try some of those. But even then, no one would give him anything. He was at the place of wit's end, the place where he'd spent everything and gained nothing. He was bitter, bankrupted, and burdened. But in his brokenness, he recalled his former blessedness. He said, it's better for me to go back to my father's home. Because in father's house, even the servants... Like, they're living better than I'm living. So, let's go back to Father's house. 
And so the road to recovery is what he, he literally embarks on. And it's very interesting because the word recovery literally means this. The word re literally means back again. So recovery means to go back to your covering. To go back again to your covering. So what is the covering? The covering is Father. Father's house, Father's blessing. You know, in the Old Testament, we see it very clearly where fathers bless their children. And there is power in a father blessing his children. There's something powerful that happens when a father releases blessing over his children. And you may not have a father who in the natural can bless you. But I'm here to tell you that you have a God, a God father. He's Father God. He's not God father. <laughs> and Father God wants to bless you. Some people think he is the Godfather, but that's the way they view him. But he is Father God. And there are other fathers. There are fathers who are available to, to bless you, to love you, to pour into you, to speak over your life. And so, man, we are called to be fathers to our own kids, absolutely, showing them what the greatest father looks like. But we're also called to be fathers to a fatherless generation as well. So, I'm going to go home. It says, when he finally came to his sentence, senses, when he finally came to his senses, don't you love that? I mean, why do some people, come on, including me at one time, and you, and everybody in there, pinch your neighbor and say, you messed up. <laughs> in the past, you might still be messing up. But the fact is, why did, why do we have to go to that place where we have to hit rock bottom? Why do we have to say, Father, you know what? Everything that you've made available to me, I'm really not interested. I'm going to go and do this. It makes absolutely no sense. Why? The love of the world, the love of the Father is not in you. The deceitfulness, the deception, the offer says, go do it, you're going to be more fulfilled. Well, it's not true. I'm here to tell you if, look, can I tell you something? The school of hard knocks is overrated. <laughs> can I just tell you that? The school of hard knocks is overrated. Listen to a father who can say, one day I was stupid like you are. Back in the days, I was foolish, unwise, stupid, selfish, and immature, just like you're being. And let me tell you, it doesn't work too well. Don't go that way, son. Don't go that way, daughter. It's destructive. Listen, we have no guarantee they will. But we pray. And God is able to restore. Amen? Yes. So he says, I'm going to go back to my father's house. So here he says, you know what? At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Now, true repentance is his focus now. He's not going home just because he's hungry. Because I'll tell you what, once they had a, he had a barbecue, you know, some barbecue or whatever, he's going to head back out again. How many have seen that? Right? You know, kids, they're out in the world, they're messed up on drugs, they get to a point where maybe they're just hungry and they come home and they eat, then they leave again. They're gone. That's not repentance. That's not repentance. I know a pastor in America who was pastoring a church, his brother literally got involved in drugs and he ended up trying to help his brother to get off drugs and he ended up getting involved in drugs and he had never done drugs in his life. This pastor who pastored a church and who had, had a, a media ministry ended up for the next several years being homeless, sleeping on the streets, a pastor just as a result of, of just doing just drugs just a couple of times. He went into a tailspin and he was homeless and people didn't even know where he was. He was living in the streets of New York. 
Crazy. I've preached in his church. He's been restored. But he lost everything. He lost his wife. He lost his church, his ministry. He lost all the money that he had. He spent it all. He lost everything. But then one day when he was out on those streets, sleeping in a cardboard, you know, shack on the streets of New York City, he became aware of what was happening. And there was an awakening that took place. And he was delivered and set free. Crazy. So the son says, I'm going to go back to my father's house. But now it's not about, it, this time it's true repentance because it's about reconciliation with the father, not restoration of stature. It's not restoration of stature. It's not like, well, I'm going to go back and, you know, be a son once again. And, and he said, no, 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 I don't care about that. I just want to go back. I want to be reconciled to my father. I want to be in my father's house again. Just even being a hired servant, that's enough. So it's about reconciliation with father, not restoration of stature. Yeah, the process, I believe, of, of true conversion, or a true turning back to God involves remember, repent, and return. Remember how good it is in Father's house. Remember. Then repent. Be sorrowful. Be overwhelmed for what it is. Then return. Go back. Go back. Because if you don't go back, then all it is is a godly sorrow. You go back. Return to Father's house. Get back into worship. Get back into prayer. Get back into seeking God. Get back into, into being at the house of God. Stop compromising. Stop living a lukewarm Christian life. Stop trying to justify the reality that you really don't know who your father is. And spend time getting to know who your father is. He wants to reveal so much to you. So as he's returning home, the Bible says he's still a long way off, and his father sees him coming. Wow. You know, that says the father was looking. I don't know how often, but he was just like, mm, I wonder if my son's coming home today. We don't know how long it was, how many days he had done that, how many times he had peered down that road. But here is the father with anticipation and expectation. One day, my son is going to come back home. One day, when he comes to the end of himself, he's going to return. And it speaks to us about never stopping, never giving up, never giving up hope. And I believe that the father was a praying man. He would have been praying for his son. He would have been praying for his restoration and reconciliation. And so here he sees his son from a long way off. And the father filled with love and compassion. Wow. Ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. <laughs> He's like, well, yeah, can I help you, son? Uh, well, dad, uh-uh. You know... I, he didn't make it awkward. He's just like filled with compassion. He didn't say, what's your motive? Why are you here? Let's, let's try this for three months and see how it goes. He had been praying and he saw, his he saw the heart of his son. So the son says, Father, I sinned against heaven in you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. <laughs> That's what it, isn't that awesome? So the party began. Let's celebrate. Celebrate. Come on, you know that. It's, it's awesome. There's just this whole thing, you know. And here they are celebrating. The son has come home. The son, I've got something for you. I've got a ring. That means you belong to us. You're in the family. You're in the household. I've got a robe. Take off those tattered, old, dirty garments. Put on this new robe. Son, I've got sandals for you. I've got, I've got all of this. I'm reinstating you to full sonship. You're not called to be a servant. You're called to be a son. You're not to work for me, but to walk with me. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, I've, I mentioned this and I'll close with this. In John 17, here's what he said. He said, this is eternal life that they might know you, 
the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Eternal life is knowing Father. Eternal life is knowing your Father. That's how you experience the life that God has for you. Life, peace, joy, righteousness, fulfillment, purpose, destiny. It all comes in knowing your Father. So Jesus, through his death and resurrection, brought us into a, a relationship of intimate communion with the Father. And now we are privy to Father's personal affairs. Listen to this. We're privy to the Father's personal affairs. Listen to this. J.B. Phillips' translation, John 15, 15. I shall not call you servants any longer, Jesus said, for a servant does not share his master's confidence. No, I call you friends now because I've told you everything that I've heard from the Father. Plainly stated, Father God wants you to hear his voice, know his will. He wants to reveal his heart to you. He wants to whisper to you. He wants to share things with you. He wants you to, to cuddle up with him, to get in his lap, so to speak. He wants you to get close and intimate. And I know some guys are like, I just don't get that. That's not masculine. I get that. I understand it. But the fact is the Bible says men, unless you become like children, you cannot see the kingdom. We've got to become as children. David was a lover, a worshiper, and that guy was very masculine. He was a warrior. He was a man's man. And David was more intimate with God than anyone. Perhaps you're here today, you've wandered from the Father's house. Something's stirring in your heart, and you desire to know God's your Father. You may be here and your faith has been more about focus on what God can give you and not the joy and fulfillment that comes from knowing him as your father. I want to challenge you today that he's a good father. He will give you everything you need. But he wants you to know him as father. And when you know him as father, you can reveal the true fatherhood and love of God to others. Ladies... Children, youth, it doesn't matter. God wants you to know him as father, not just men. He wants us to know him as father. If you didn't have a father, if you had a dysfunctional father, it doesn't matter. He's your father. Yes. He's here. He wants to change that. He wants you to know him as father. Let's just look to the screen. experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you. And He is the Father you have been looking for all your life. This is His love letter.
been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. Nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Good, oh, man. Switch to Spectrum Mobile and get unlimited data for only $29.99 per month each when you get two or more lines. You could save hundreds on your mobile bill. Plus, there are no added taxes, hidden fees, and no contracts. Click to try the Spectrum Mobile Savings Calculator, and in three easy steps, you'll see how much you could save. Visit SpectrumMobile.com slash save. Offer valid for new customers on two or more unlimited lines. Spectrum Internet required. Restrictions apply. Visit SpectrumMobile.com for details.